How I love your word, how it lights my path, how it guides my way. From Isaiah and chapter 53, we are continuing our journey to the cross as we come up to Easter time. And we're going back, we're stepping back to the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus' death on the cross. So we're going to read Isaiah 53, 1 to 12, and then Stephen's going to bring God's word to us from it. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the sin of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Let's pray for Stephen. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing Stephen to share with us this morning. Fill him now with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and may we hear the words that you've got for us to receive. Amen. 
Thank you, Debs. Good morning, everyone. Uh, such a lovely Sunday to be with you. It's wonderful to be part of this lovely dedication, and it's so good that I could um, come down and see you all here this morning. It has been a number of years, really, um, since I've been here. Oh, there we go. Thanks. It's been a number of years um, since we visited, but I kind of think that actually New Life has kind of short-changed Forest Hill recently, because I was going through the list of people from Forest Hill that have been with us over the last few months. We just had Rob George a few days ago, then we had Martin, then we had Smita, then we had Donna, and then we've got Donna again, and we've got Debs again in a few weeks, so really, all of those guys kind of equals one of me, so I kind of feel, well, oh dear. But you know, you've got Sasha and Hudson and Wesley, they joined me as well, so maybe that evens it all up. But it is, um, it is good to be together, and it's good to be God's family. And um, what a beautiful passage to be thinking about this morning as we encounter Jesus every step of the way, as we get to the cross on Easter Sunday. And um, I've just got this little slide, hopefully you can see it in, uh, behind me, which um, helps to kind of uh, sum up for me three of the big concepts that are going on um, through this most beautiful portion of Scripture. Um, it's a, a poem in the Hebrew, and it's a poem that builds up as we go through Isaiah 53. Actually, the language is building up to a wonderful crescendo when we see Jesus on the cross so very, very clearly. It was a prophecy of what was going to happen to Jesus. But as this um, poem unfolds in Isaiah 53, there are three concepts that are brought together incredibly powerfully. And as you can see um, on the diagram, we've got suffering, we've got servant, and we've got healing. And all three of them overlap, and all three of them come together at the cross. It's very clear, isn't it, that um, there is a servant that's um, being described in this passage. It's somebody that's being overlooked, somebody that is not esteemed, uh, somebody that is led forcibly, somebody that can't open their mouths. The whole idea of servanthood comes through very strongly in this passage. Then the whole idea of suffering comes through very, very strongly. The anguish of his soul, he was crushed for iniquities, the scourging and his wounds. It's very, very clear that suffering is a big, big part of this poem. And then, of course, the healing that was coming through as Deb's reading, you could feel the healing flowing from Jesus, that he was being, uh, he was on the cross for our well-being, that healing was released through activity of Jesus as he was on the cross suffering for us. There's a transfer going on so that we could receive deep, deep healing. The deep streams of healing that we read about in the life of Jesus was flowing through into ours. But all of these concepts, they really only mean something in their truest and most deepest sense when we see them all coming together at the cross. And that's why I use that image of the three circles, and they all intertwine and come together at the cross. So let me just start with thinking a little bit about suffering and how we actually can only really make sense of suffering in this world when we come to the cross. Because suffering is chaotic, and suffering releases death, and it releases hopelessness. And many people around this world today are suffering because of suffering. They're undergoing an incredible, painful experience because of the environment around them. And they may well be thinking, is there really any sense in all the suffering that is going on in my nation? Is there any suffering? Is there any sense in the suffering that's going on in my family? And when we're out in the streets um, doing evangelism, that is the big thing that people always ask us, how can I believe in God when all of this suffering is going on all around me all the time? It just seems that God is not really even in the picture. Or if he is, then actually he's some kind of 
glib kind of God that doesn't really care very much and just lets the suffering unfold and just watches it from afar. But you see, the Christian message, which involves suffering, when we come to the cross, it isn't just a a surfacey or a glib or a fluffy, unthinking response to suffering. When we come to the cross, there is a deep response in the heart of God to all of the suffering that this world encounters. Because suffering can end at the cross. Suffering can reach a dead end at the cross. And the Lord can bring us through suffering and into his new life if we come to the cross this morning. It's a place where when we get to the cross that suffering does not overwhelm us. It is, we do not find that suffering is bubbling up and kind of causing our direction of our lives to be in, orientated in that direction. When we come to the cross... He is able to take hold of the chaos of suffering and bring a peace to it and a restoration and a fulfillment of his blessings. And alongside this whole idea of suffering, then in this passage, deep within this passage, is this idea of servant, of Jesus being a servant. And the kind of service that we see at the cross is the kind of service that Jesus chose. It wasn't one that he decided to, he was forced into. Jesus chose the way of a servant. That's the kind of suffering that is in right at the heart of the cross. It's a God that in order to choose his love for us, in order to choose that he was expressing his goodness and his blessing and his manifold wisdom and his great love for us, he became a servant. It is such a moving experience when we start to think about that God chose to be led like a lamb to the slaughter. He chose that way of life. It was for us that he chose to become a servant. And many of us, I know, in our church life, we serve, but our service um, becomes kind of crystallized and it becomes more fervent when we get to the cross. And when we find that actually, as we arrive at the cross, we've already got a servant king that is pouring out his life for us, that is blessing us and becoming the God that wants to serve the whole of humanity. But it was the God that chose that, The love of Jesus chose him to become a servant. And then in the mix of all of this idea of serving, being a servant, and of suffering, then there's this idea that comes through so powerfully of healing. That powerful stream of healing and of shalom and of well-being flows into our lives because we have got a suffering servant king. And it comes together at the cross And as many of us know, those of us who know Jesus and have experienced his love, when we come to the cross, that's when healing truly flows. And in fact, in one of the uh, Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, this whole um, idea of um, healing, um, there's a Greek word which is kind of translated therapos or therapios, which is where we get our English word therapy. Often, well, in one occasion in the book of Luke, it's translated servant. And so on all the other occasions in the New Testament, it's translated healing. But on one occasion in Luke, it's translated servant. And again, this is tying these ideas together of servant, of suffering, of healing. They all come together as one at the cross. And it's so important, isn't it, that when we're seeking to receive more of God's healing into our lives, that we come to the cross afresh. Because in our world today, there are so many different options and possibilities and suggestions and theories of how to get healed. 
of how to move on, of how to move on from the pandemic, of how to move on from perhaps things that have happened in our lives, in our past. There are many, many ideas. And even in the Christian world today, there are loads of different ideas of how we get healing. Often people talk about visiting a particular place in the world, visiting a particular ministry or an individual, because they're kind of the source of healing, praying a particular prayer, and reading a particular book. And all of those things are good and have got merit in them. But all the time when we're seeking healing for our lives, we've got to make sure that we're coming to the cross. Because healing doesn't really originate from within us. We're not the source of healing in ourselves. It's not our ideas about ourselves that heals us. It's our ideas about the cross. And about taking hold of the cross in a fresh way that will release healing. And this beautiful poem in the Old Testament is often described by some scholars as the heart of the Old Testament. The very center of the greatest message is found within this very short chapter. And we can see why that is when all of these images come together. We can see why this passage is incredibly powerful and significant for those that look at the Old Testament. Because the deepest message is being revealed of Jesus' heart that he truly is the healer. People encountered him in the New Testament all the time as the healer, the one that would restore, the one that would bless. And in this passage, it's reminding us that Christ is the healer. But it's so strange that this uh, poem, it starts off with two questions. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? You would think with such a significant chapter, if it is the center of the Old Testament, this chapter Why start it off with saying, well, is anybody going to believe this kind of message? And is the Lord going to bring any kind of revelation into our lives when surely it is the most key and foundational and significant passage in the Old Testament? But Isaiah in his writings must have been trying to get over the idea that this great and wonderful message that Jesus is the healer of humanity, it can actually be missed. The message can actually be not heard. It may not be fully grasped by the hearer. And there may be so much unbelief in the way that actually the message doesn't get through. Who has believed our message? The message needs to be believed. It needs to be heard and received in. And so Isaiah is, before he goes into the wonderful depths that's going on in this passage, he actually challenges his readers and his listeners. Have we missed it? Have you missed it? Have you missed the healing that flows from the cross? Have you had much revelation, fresh revelation recently that Christ is the healer and he wants to speak his message? Perhaps one of the reasons why uh, Isaiah says that the message could be missed is because the first description of Jesus in this passage, it's like Jesus could be overlooked and he could be missed. He could be kind of um, brushed aside Because he's described as a man of sorrows and one with whom men hide their face. Uh, We'll move on just in a second. Just one more second, thanks. Um, And there's a sense that sometimes the message of Jesus gets missed because we're not looking for the healing that flows from Jesus. We're not really looking in a place where a man is full of sorrow and a man that is kind of missed. 
We're looking in somewhere else. We're looking for a little bit more of a razzmatazz to the message. We're looking for a message which has a bit more glory and maybe a little bit more joy to it. But actually, this kind of message over here and this man down here, Jesus on the earth, associating with people of low esteem and grieving with people who've experienced death and being around lepers and being around people that are unclean and despised. Well, actually, would the real healing and would the real glory flow from that kind of thing? Is that really the kind of experience? Is that really the kind of the heart of the message that will release healing? But it seems to be that Jesus um, is saying, actually, that is the heart of who I am. This is the way in to the cross. It is to see me as a man of sorrows and a man that is acquainted with grief. That is the way in. It's not through any other means. It's through Jesus as he's presented here. And I, for the rest of my time, I just wanted to spend uh, some uh, moments thinking about a few images in this uh, passage, some of the kind of descriptions and the similes and the metaphors in this beautiful poem that help, that help see our healing and how we can move on in healing. Because all of us need more and more healing in our lives. We want to be more and more whole and healed and set free by the Lord Jesus. And there are some incredibly significant passages and images within this chapter that help us to get deeper and deeper into healing. And so, yeah, we'll just flick on to the next one. Thanks so much, Leslie. Lovely. Um, So the first image I want us to think about is Jesus being described as a tender shoot or a root out of parched ground. And it's worth thinking about that sometimes in our own lives, we feel tenderness and we feel a little bit like we are a tender shoot like Christ was. We may even feel that sometimes we're like a root, a root that's come out of parched land. It's all dry, like that little uh, sprig there. It's dry all around us, but we're kind of emerging in our healing and our restoration, but it feels actually all around us is a little bit dry. It feels like we're the kind of the first shoot that's popped up, but yet still all around us is pretty dry. But also we may feel that there are parts of our lives that are tender, And there are loads of different reasons why we come to points in our lives which are tender, which are more vulnerable than other occasions. Sometimes, um, I know that it's when you become a parent. Sometimes it's when you get married. Sometimes it's when you move into a new job. Sometimes it's when things um, are thrown at you that you weren't expecting. There's a tenderness and a vulnerability. But yet Jesus is drawing close to us when we feel like that because he's saying that actually I know what it's like to be tender I know what it's like to grow up as a root out of parched ground. I understand what it's like to feel completely dry all around you, and you're kind of just the only thing there there that's full of life, and where the situation, the environment around you is dry. And sometimes we need a fresh release of God's healing because we've been in that dry and that barren land, and because we've hit some points in our lives which are tender, and we need the Lord's help. Um, a few weeks ago, I um, met a wonderful man. Um, I was praying with him, and um, he's part of another uh, Ichthus congregation, and um, he was uh, wonderfully invited uh, to stay with another family in Ichthus because he wanted to get out of um, alcohol. He was an alcoholic for many, many years, and he had tried a number of times to get out of alcohol, but he hadn't yet done it. And so this wonderful family in Ichthus, they said, well, actually, you could, you could come and live with us, and we're going to be there praying you out of this alcohol. We're going to get you free. And um, as I just spent about 45 45 minutes with him, 
one evening just praying with him, I was just so moved by how much of the Lord Jesus was in his life. It was beautiful to see that the Lord had taken him. And he said, you know, I've, I've never been this dry ever in my life. And you could just tell that he was living in faith and confidence that the Lord truly was his healer. And I'm sure he felt very vulnerable at those points, trying to give up an addiction is a vulnerable place. We kind of have to feel very vulnerable at those points in our lives when we're going through something like that. But he knew that he was vulnerable, but also the Lord was his fortress and his strength. The Lord was kind of garrisoning garrisoning his mind, surrounding him with a fortress so that his mind was protected so that he could move on out of that addiction. And I'm sure he will keep on going in the congregation that he's a part of. And that wonderful family that are staying with him are kind of providing the environment around his life. He's no longer in parched ground. He's now in an environment where he's growing, where there's water of the Spirit all around him, and people are providing the environment and the atmosphere where he can be healed and restored. And perhaps if that is us this morning, perhaps not just with addictions, but if you feel that you're in a tender place this morning, if you feel like the kind of the plant in your life is tender and new and fresh, well, the Lord wants to draw close because he understands what it's like to be tender, what it's like to become humanity, to grow up in a hostile environment as he was as a child, to understand hostility and hate against his life. He understands that, and we can draw close to him. And they just flick to the next one. Lovely. Thank you. I've mentioned it already, but Jesus is known here as the man of sorrows. Why was he a man of sorrows? Well, as I've said, it was because of the company that he kept. The people that he knew, he was acquainted with grief because he was around a lot of people that were grieving deeply. And therefore, he kind of was known as a man of sorrows. And that is such a kind of a beacon of hope for us when we feel that we've got sorrow in our life. For whatever reason, we feel that we're bearing a grief. We have got a savior at the cross that is saying, I understand sorrow on the deepest of levels. I understand sorrow at your level, but even beyond it, I understand the sorrow of the human race. I understand what sin and iniquity and transgressions, I know what it does to your life. I can understand it and I know it, but you can come to me. You don't need to hide your face as some do in this passage. Don't hide your face from the man of sorrows this morning. Meet him full in the face and say, Lord Jesus, I can see in your face that you love me. I can see that you're not turning away from me, that my sorrow inside, perhaps my depression, perhaps the things that weigh me down, they don't cause you to look away. You don't look away at my sorrow and my anguish. You look me in the face and you say, actually, I'm going to lead you on. Because those sorrows and those griefs, those are the two things that in the next verse, it goes on to say that Jesus was carrying and bearing. He was carrying or griefs, and he was bearing our sorrows. Other way around, I think. He, he griefs, he himself bore, our sorrows he carried. And that word bore um, for griefs is the word that was used of the scapegoat in the Old Testament that was kind of an example and kind of a picture of God carrying our sins away from us. The Lord wants us to come to the man of sorrows so that he can take our griefs from us. It's kind of a, a kind of a profound and simple truth for us as followers of Jesus that he wants to take away our sins and our griefs. But actually, sometimes in practice, we don't really carry it out. Sometimes we're aware, kind of in our minds, that God could potentially at some point take away a grief, that he could do something with our sorrow, but we don't give it to him so that he can carry it away. 
like the scapegoat. We don't present it to him in a way where we're letting go of it. We're saying, actually, Lord, I don't want it anymore in my life. Please take it from me. He is here this morning to carry away our sins and our griefs. And I'll just move on to the last one. Lovely. Brilliant. And the last image is this very powerful image that Jesus is like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. And if we think about how this applies to Jesus' life, it is incredibly deep that the God who in his love chose to become a servant became a lamb even when we were sheep that were going astray, even when we were going all our own paths, God chose in his love and his goodness towards us to become the lamb. And a lamb that actually had probably a noose around its neck, led off to the slaughter. He couldn't choose his direction. He couldn't choose his timing. Betrayed by a kiss by Judas. It wasn't his timing. It was kind of, it was wrenched from him. But the Lord was using all of it to bring forth his plans and purposes and to bring the Lord's timing into it. But the Lord was forced into things. He was pushed and slapped. He was scourged and beaten. He was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. Many times when Jesus could have said something, he was silent. He took the place of silence. When he was being sheared, when his life was being sheared from him. When he was kind of being exposed and made vulnerable um, in front of the crowd, the Sanhedrin, on the cross made incredibly vulnerable in his pain, where people were laughing and despising him. There was shearing going on in his life. And there may be some of us that can understand very deeply what it means to be like a lamb that is forced or to be like a sheep that is shorn. And there's a lady that just at New Life that we're um, just starting to pray with because she's just uh, joined us recently. But she was starting to disclose that actually in her home country when she was growing up, she actually experienced a kidnapping and she was taken away uh, at a young age from her family. And I was thinking, in that lady's situation where she experienced such pain and such anguish and such force, abuse leveled against her as a young teenage girl, she was experiencing something very, very deep and painful in her life. But the Lord knows what that is. He knows what it's like to be a lamb that is led. He knows what it's like to be forced to do things that he didn't want to do. And there are occasions in our lives often in our past where we have suffered things that we didn't want to happen against us that we didn't want to have taking place. There was a, a young boy that um, I kind of have been discipling over the last few years, probably about eight years, and um, there was one time he came to the prayer community and um, he was just really receiving deeply from Jesus. But afterwards he remembered something that he had pushed down as much as he possibly could in his life. He pushed it down, but actually, as he was amongst the worship and the presence of Jesus, it kind of just rushed up to him, and he shared it with me. It was a very tragic, awful incident that happened to him when he was 12. And he said, but I've just suddenly remembered it now, Stephen. What am I going to do? And we were able to take some time to pray with him and try to kind of bring some healing of Jesus into his life, and he's still receiving that healing today. But it was the presence of Jesus that was bringing up something that it was like a wound that had been covered over in his life. And the Lord, in his grace and his mercy, the Lord that understands what it's like to be a lamb that has led to the slaughter, he brought it up in this young man's life so that he could deal with it and he could bring soothing and healing and well-being could flow into this man's life. 
And there is so much grace for us this morning if we have felt in any way in our lives like a lamb that has been forced and taken away from where we were. The Lord is there for us. And so in a few moments, I'm just going to hand back to Debs and we're going to um, respond to the Lord and respond to his healing life. But let me just, in my kind of closing comments, um, let us just focus again on just some of those verses right at the very end. Let me just read them to us. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many and he will bear their iniquities. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing to focus on here that the God who knows what it is like to be oppressed, the God that knows what it's like to be judged wrongly and to be taken away from safety, taken away from the land of the living, who was taking our transgressions that were made against us and by us up to the cross. And then on the cross, the Lord had to resolve all of these things that I've spoken about, the anger, the injustice, the pain, all the things that flow in our lives when we encounter all of the things I've been describing in my examples. The Lord needs to do something to bring forth a solution. And he does that by paying a price within himself. That's what Roger often talks about, that actually the only way through for humanity was that God had to pay a price within himself. He had to become the redemption. He had to be the own redemption for his people. And at the cross, um, God was paying for our sins. He was paying for it in himself as Jesus was dying on the cross, the anger and the injustice, all of it was coming to an end. The suffering was coming to an end as Jesus was dying. And he was bringing forth a new way to live for all of humanity. He was making the way through the chaos of suffering. He was making the way through the heartache and the pains of woundings in our past. He was making a way through for every single one of us to know that we have a redeemer that's paid the price for our lives to absorb all of the anger and the hatred and the malice, the grief and the suffering that flows through humanity. He was taking it all into himself, absorbing it all utterly and completely so that each one of us could find that we can be healed, that we can be restored. And as that lamb of God is like burning up on the cross as a burnt offering, everything within it is getting burnt up and destroyed. As that offering is presented to his father in heaven on the cross, then Jesus is saying, there is a new way. It doesn't just end here. There is a new way for you into more and more healing in your lives. You may feel that your healing is a little bit like reached a dead end. There's no way through. But the Lord's saying, actually, let me get you through. Let me turn that dead end into a breakthrough this morning. Let me find that there is more and more healing available for you, even in the things in our lives that are very painful. Let me pray for us, and then I hand back to Debs. Lord Jesus, Lord, it is such a precious thing to come into your presence, to come right before the cross this morning. Lord, at the cross, we find a God that is suffering. We find a God that is a servant of all. We find a God that chose to love us. We find a God that is opening up 
the door of healing for each one of us. Lord, we've all gone like sheep astray. Lord, we've all found that we become wayward in our hearts. But Lord, you guide us back into the path. Lord, you guide us to the cross. You say there is a way through for us this morning. There is a way for healing to open up. There is a way that we can move on in our lives. We may be tender shoots. We may be acquainted with sorrow. But the Lord is here for us to bring forth his redemption, to bring forth his new life. Thank you, Jesus. Surely.